Hello, welcome to Talking Indonesia. I'm your host, Tito Amyo from RMIT School of Media and Communication in Melbourne, Australia. In the world of digital information, Indonesia has been facing many challenges with misinformation and disinformation. And the problems are complex. There are buzzes, there are influences, these are words that Indonesians are very familiar with. But there are also government communication strategies that might be concerned with control and image making than actually creating real conversations with citizens of Indonesia. Our guest today is Associate Professor Ika Idris from Monash University, who has been studying many aspects of the Indonesian government's strategies with misinformation and digital information. And she found that members of the Indonesian government itself has actually played a role in creating misinformation, especially when it comes to COVID. But my first question to Mbak Ika is... How do Indonesians in 2022 use the internet, especially social media? Uh, my national survey, we conducted national survey in 2020. Uh, the, the largest social media platform that Indonesian uh, use uh, is um, YouTube, Facebook, still WhatsApp, and then uh, now uh, TikTok. Although it's not uh, it's not as big as the other platform, and also Instagram and uh, Line is also one of the most popular uh, social media platform, especially uh, for uh, university students. Yeah. What about the problem of misinformation in Indonesia? What have you found about misinformation in Indonesia? So misinformation is also one of the challenges uh, in Indonesia. But let me uh, tell you, the, it's the national survey by the Indonesian Ministry of Communication and Information. In 2020 and 2021, the main topics of uh, hoaxes and misinformation is politics. So 97 to 90, uh, sorry, 67 to 69% of uh, misinformation topics uh, were related to politics. The second one is health. Uh, in 2021, it's increasing to 64, uh, so, sorry, to 46% from 39%. And then the third one is religion. Wow. <laughs> so uh, so uh, in before COVID, it's the politics and religion, the, the top topics of misinformation. But after the COVID, uh, it's politics, health and uh, religion. And the fourth one is uh, environment. So can you tell us about, so politics seems to be the hot button topic here. What kind of misinformation in politics that we've been hearing um, or we can find in Indonesian misinformation sphere? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So especially in uh, after COVID, yeah, uh, the the main topics of uh, misinformation is related to how the government handle the pandemic COVID. 
but uh, and then in twenty twenty, uh, my research also uh, showed that. So I analyzed conversation on Facebook uh, using the CrowdTangle, and then uh, the top or the main narrative of COVID is basically from the government. So I'm talking about the government from all levels, from the um, national government to, to local government, from the uh, public leader at national level and public leader at the local level. So when I, uh, when I realized that at the, you know, misinformation during COVID is mainly, uh, I believe it's mainly because we concerned and we are, uh, we don't know what to do. <laughs> we yeah. want to share our, we want to share our concern. So because the, um, so many controversial uh, policies from government, uh, it becomes the fuel for misinformation. There's also misinformation from the government. That's why it becomes the fuel uh, to spread uh, rumors and hoaxes because at the beginning I believe even until the even until now <laughs> there's a, a misinformation at first if if you remember it at first at the beginning of COVID there's there was misinformation spread by the government related to how jamu or traditional herbs can cure uh, COVID, <laughs> and then how because we are a, uh, we have a tropical climate, and then how the sunlight uh, can make our body stronger, <laughs> uh, and then it was from the the statement were from the uh, government officials. I believe that time is the Ministry of Health himself. Yeah, now I remember. So this was the Minister <laughs> of Health basically saying COVID yeah. can be treated by traditional herbal drinks, basically. Yeah, and then there was there, there were so many statements like that, controversial statements, yeah. And then uh, I think uh, that makes the situation uh, worse. <laughs> mm. So what does that tell us? Uh, about misinformation in, in in Indonesia, when you have the health minister, um, yes, yeah, spouting misinformation, what does that say about, um, yeah, how digital information is managed in Indonesia, and does culture have something to do with it? So I think that time it was a bad public communication, and then uh, that time I think the government uh, failed to understand the scale of this pandemic. Yeah? But then uh, during the pandemic, especially uh, at the beginning of Omicron, their public communication is uh, getting better. And you mentioned that there's still misinformation from the government when it comes to um, health information now. Can you tell us a few examples that you have found? So, for instance, the vice uh, president himself uh, mm -hmm. stated about. So there's a there's a worriness in uh, in Indonesian people that the vaccine made or contains pigs, yeah. And then vice min vice president himself stated that um, uh, we don't really care uh, if it's uh, made out of uh, pigs. Uh, or not, but you have to get vaccinated. 
So I think uh, that time he felt, uh, even though he's from the, he he's from the Muslim organization, yeah, mm. but he failed to understand that uh, that's the important uh, issues for uh, Indonesian people, yeah, especially uh, Muslim people. So I think there's still like uh, misinformation like that, and then the last, the latest one is from Paluhut. Uh, when he said that uh, Omicron is basically show lighter syndrome than uh, Delta. And then it frames the whole message and then it um, it influences people's perception about Omicron. And I think it becomes, uh, we lost our progress yeah, or the protocol because there's a frame that Uh, the Omicron is uh, show lighter syndrome than uh, than Delta. Yeah, and that was uh, uh, Luhut Panjaitan, eh, the um, yeah. what is he now? Coordinating Minister for Maritime Affairs and Investment, I think. So yeah, and and this is something that's quite interesting, right? Because you mentioned before, we have the Vice President, you have the Minister for Health, you have a Coordinating Minister, basically just talking without facts, basically, and. Let's let's go back to the beginning of your academic career. Well, it's not your real beginning. <laughs> You've done a lot of research before this, but in your PhD thesis, um, you argued that the Indonesian government has largely created an illusion of conversation, illusion of a new public sphere. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? And it, does that explain the way the government is using digital media in Indonesia, where it's mostly one way? Yeah, so basically my uh, dissertation want to understand what kind of communication models on social media that the Indonesian government uh, implemented. Mm. So because at the beginning of uh, President Jokowi first administration, he said that or he instructed all the government public relations, government uh, public communication officials to use new platforms. Yeah, mm. He said that gunakan cara-cara baru, yeah? like mm. new ways, new platforms, and then instructed all the government agencies to use social media um, and all, uh, instead of uh, just using websites. And then uh, that time, uh, I believe that uh, this is the time where, when the Indonesian government wants to start uh, build dialogue with, with its public because dialogue or interactive communication is the nature of social media. But then uh, I use social network analysis to look for uh, four types of Uh, government communication, uh, mm-hmm. daily communication, campaign communication, emergency communication, and then the last one is crisis communication. And then apparently uh, the Indonesian government still use the social media platform uh, as a broadcasting channel. So even though the mm-hmm. president uh, instructed to, look, uh, to use for the new platforms, Uh, and then this is, uh, and I believe this is also create a new public spheres. But then from the communication models, it's only a broadcasting model. And even worse uh, for the 
crisis communication. Crisis communication is uh, where the government reputation is uh, at stake. But the emergency communication is if there's something uh, emergency like disaster or outbreak. And then during the crisis communication where the government uh, reputation is at stake, the government uh, eventually used the social media troops to dominate the conversation. So I believe uh, what the, so from that, uh, that findings, I believe what the President Jokowi instructed or trying to, <laughs> trying to, uh, trying to establish it, it's not, uh, yeah. it's not a new public sphere, but it's, uh, it's just a new way to dominating conversation. Yeah. And, and it's a new way to mm. keep uh, criticism, to silence the criticism, uh, especially when they are using the social media troops. And the social media troops, it's not the buzzer or it's not the non-formal social media troops, but they establish a formal social media troops uh, that time called Synergy Media Social ASN. So it's the government officials, they establish teams in each government, uh, in, uh, in each government agencies. Uh, they establish team from, uh, uh, from public communication division. And then whenever there's, uh, there, uh, there's uh, the President Jokowi uh, call it narasi tunggal or a single narration. So he basically wants uh, that all the government agencies carry the same message, messages. So when there's uh, messages from the coordinating Ministry of uh, Politics, uh, Menko Polhukam, and then the Ministry of Communication and Information, they will uh, send it through the Siman Synergy Media Social ASN member, yeah? and then they will use not only the government uh, agency social media account, the official account, but they will also use their uh, personal account to spread that information. I found it uh, during the uh, 2017, uh, we had that time uh, diphtheria outbreak. Even before the pandemic, we had mm -hmm. a diphtheria outbreak, and there's a there was a call for immunization or vaccination. Yeah, so this ambition <laughs> for a single yeah. narrative or narasi tunggal uh, apparently are uh, used only to carry this single narrative. So it's not to establish a dialogue or even not to understand uh, people's interests or not to understand uh, the conversation, but it's to carry the government narrative. Did you find, <laughs> did you find any evidence of a dialogue at all? So I found uh, evidence uh, of dialogue so I found uh, mm. there's there were conversations uh, at the service based government agencies so like BPJS the healthcare uh, Indonesian healthcare agencies so I found conversation there uh, but because mm. they are aiming to provide uh, health services yeah so I, I found conversations such as that ask questions related to BPJS or the healthcare access but I found dialogue 
not in the form of social media but i've i found the case in uh, the case at the ministry of finance that time there was a criticism from the a very famous uh, influencer also book writers uh, uh, named Terelier. I don't know if you know uh, the author. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. time he posted criticism related to book taxation. Uh, he said that the book taxation is too high for the writers and then it it went viral but then uh, the Ministry of uh, Finance, Ibu Sri Mulyani, uh, established a forum that invite all the book authors, writers to talk about the book taxation. So the, there was dialogue uh, but it conducted uh, offline but it, it was from the Uh, online conversation but on online platform mm. i don't think uh, there's not even dialogue yeah not not every government agencies wants to want to spend their uh, social uh, media resources to reply for comments even though it's it's not uh, like it's not head speech it's it's comment related to their services so uh, i think there's still uh, there's still a problem here yeah because they because they only look at social media as a as a platform to establish positive image as a platform to dominate the narrative and as, as a platform to uh, carry uh, or disseminate their program so i don't think they understand uh, the need to reply uh, comments or messages from the social media mm. users. And it is interesting that the case that you've mentioned with Sri Mulyani, that's probably more of her approach and personality as well, yeah. right? <laughs> rather than the government's policy. Now, um, there have been cases in the past where the government has limited access to social media in Indonesia. Um, so you said before that, you know, the approach by the Indonesian government is often very one way kind of conversation. Well, not even a conversation, just one way mm -hmm. talking over uh, people. What's the wider impact of having a government that that is mostly wanting to hold to the single narrative on Arasitunga, uh, like you said before? What's the impact of that? the main impact first is to uh, sway public opinion to important to important issues that we need to talk about so for instance like uh, during the i i wrote an, an article too about this uh, during the uh, omnibus bill protests uh, that time um, Uh, that the that time government uh, said that the protest was triggered by the by misinformation but then uh, after that the conversation totally changed from uh, protesting the bill to uh, <laughs> to to cursing the protestant that they were uh, triggered by mm. misinformation that they were just university students Uh, who do not understand about the bill. Uh, that the first. Uh, that the first one, and then the second one. Also, uh, it's to not only to sway but to uh, to change the conversation because uh, during that 
social political movement ya yeah, uh, during that during that time we found like entertainment i found like uh, entertainment narrative entertainment narrative uh, that played by uh, we call it artists in indonesia ya yeah? or like uh, or uh, celebrity <laughs> celebrity uh, that also talk about uh, unimportant stuff like handsome uh, police uh, man during the protest <laughs> and it can uh, totally change uh, the conversation from uh, like a serious <laughs> serious issues to more uh, entertainment uh, issues i think uh, i think that's the most uh, that that what i worried uh, mostly because uh, if we if we if we switch our attention then <laughs> then the mass media also will uh, easily sway to uh, different uh, topics yeah <laughs> mm. but do you see that as something that's organized or is that organic yeah i think uh, i think there has been many there ha- there have been many research uh, related to this social media mm-hmm. troops, social media buzzers, and social media influencers. And I, I believe at some events, especially political events, I believe that there was an organized or uh, the digital platform call it uh, organized account, yeah, organized conversation. And then some of it, of course, from the government, not only from uh, that uh, Siman that I mean uh, that I mentioned before, but since but in 2018, the government also have uh, THP, the professional public relations uh, that they hire to carry the single narrative. And nowadays, it's still mm. uh, it's still coordinated. If you look at the uh last year in august the ministry of communication himself mentioned that uh we we need to he's using the word uh orchestrating <laughs> orchestrating mm. the government narrative <laughs> and then now they have the uh, gpr tv government public relations tv to care to as the orchestrator of all the government uh, narrative wow. and uh, if you look at the uh, this uh, association of indonesian government uh, pr they call it orchestrating the single narrative <laughs> and then uh, it was uh, it was all instructed by the ministry of communication and information last august because he mentioned mm. that uh, we we want now uh we don't want like in the reform era <laughs> reformation era where all the government agencies can um uh, can say differently or can uh, contradict each other but now uh, uh we need to carry the president narrative it's in the it was mm. in the ministry press statement <laughs> so after that yeah, so after right. that all the especially PR yeah especially the PR government PR officials they start using that term orchestrating the narrative <laughs> so i don't so i mean like yeah, it, well. it's 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 really clear what they want <laughs> <laughs> um 
Now, talking about the government programs, of course, one of the main programs when it comes to misinformation or managing misinformation in Indonesia is uh, cyberkreasi. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us what this is and do you think it's been successful or mm-hmm. not really? So I have, uh, I have, at first I'm, I was really optimistic about this cyber uh, kreasi ya. So cyber kreasi, cyber uh, it means cyber ya in English, and kreasi means mm. uh, creative. It's basically a government uh, literacy program, and it have been conducted since 2018. Uh, and then uh, it will be conducted until 2024. Uh, at first, it was uh, aimed to tackle hoaxes and misinformation that time in 2018. But then the government uh, started to uh, uh, make this a larger program, not only to tackle misinformation, but also to uh, enhance uh, Indonesian people uh, digital skills so they have like uh, pandu digital and then they have like school of influencers <laughs> and then they still have this right. <laughs> uh, digital uh, literacy the digital uh, literacy program itself uh, um, uh, consists of four uh, programs so it's related to digital skills, digital culture, digital safety, and digital ethics. Digital culture and digital ethics addressing misinformation. So uh, as a, as a scholars in communication uh, field, yeah, and then uh, I, I, I have a really optimistic uh, view at first related to this program. But now, uh, when I look at the program, uh, I criticize three uh, things. At first, is related to the content of cyberkreasi. Uh, so, cyberkreasi um, to fight misinformation, they have this webinar uh, program, and uh, it has. Uh, many many topics if you go to their website you can see uh, many topics related to uh, this webinar but the mm. content apparently if you look at the topic it's like uh, it is to emphasize the obedience to the state over critical thinking and uh, media literacy because the topic is related to how to become a Pancasila, becoming a Pancasila society on the internet or living based on the Indonesian state philosophy and how to go viral without losing your moral. And then there's also topic like uh, jarimu harimaumu, uh, that your finger can uh, trap you or woman understand ethics. Mm. So that that kind of uh, topics um, stress how to be a good citizen on the internet and then webinar too because i involve in uh, one of them it is also remind people of the information and electronic uh, transaction law or we know it as undang-undang ite ya. so this law uh, is seen mm. as the government uh, weapon against opposition and uh, there's, there are so many uh, people harassed because of this uh, Undang-Undang ITE or UU ITE. 
and then the second one that I criticize is the webinar format so it's a one-way lecture uh, it limits interaction between the speakers and audience and in one webinar if you look at the flyers the there there were like four to six speakers each and the format it's it's a it, it's basically a monologue in a webinar series. Uh, even though you try to uh, make a joke, but you cannot connect with the with the audience, right? And then it's it doesn't un mm. encourage critical thinking, and I don't think it's effective uh, in helping audience to understand the application of the knowledge. And then the third one that I criticize is related to the uh, topic that. Uh, emphasize on economic advantage of social media and digital platforms. Uh, it was ex exaggerated because the topics uh, we found the topics such as becoming influencers, influencers because they have that uh, school of uh, influencers, and then uh, how yeah. to earn money through social media, how to build your brand, and then these matters uh, from social media as a as a silver bullet to wealth yeah uh, and then it, it doesn't discuss about the how to use social uh, how to use social media for uh, in a context for instance like in education or social and political uh, movement mm. or uh, they don't really uh, discuss about the how digital advertising on social media algorithm algorithm can play parts in uh, making someone <laughs> social media influencers so i think that even though the government claim that this program uh, can reach 12 million people last year but i don't mm -hmm. think uh, this kind of topic and the format uh, are effective for the media literacy perspective yeah for a while, we have been talking about the digital mm -hmm. divide. Um, you know, people who have access to the internet and people who don't have access to the internet. Um, but now we're starting to talk about digital inequality mm -hmm. instead. Can you tell us what that means and how does that term apply in <laughs> Indonesia? In my research related to this uh, digital inequality, and in, especially in online learning, mm -hmm. uh, we found that... Uh, that it's not enough to give the vulnerable communities digital platform yeah or access or give them free free gadget but then it's also it's also <laughs> important to assist the vulnerable communities in closing the gap this the gap of skills and then also it's important to uh, provide incentive to encourage uh, participation by members of the targeted mm. vulnerable community because basically the community wants the easiest way even though the government provide like a um, online learning platform but if they are more familiar with uh, especially indonesian malaysia we are more familiar with whatsapp a platform if we can do it on yeah. whatsapp what why, why we need to do it on the government established uh, digital platform <laughs> so i think uh, that uh, they need to assist and then they need to um, uh, adjust the national uh, standard uh, because there are uh, vulnerable uh, communities they need to that cannot come up with the national standard during the pandemic yeah.
So you're obviously highly critical of the Indonesian government's approach in tackling misinformation and also in increasing digital literacy in Indonesia. What do you think are the main things you want to see changed in the way the Indonesian government um, does this? I think the first one is I want to emphasize the government cherry-picking stamps. So Indonesian uh, government uh, has been closing down websites and social media accounts to spread the hoaxes, misinformation, fake news. But uh, I found it, especially um, during a conversation that uh, benefit for the government, for instance, in last year, in the conversation related to Pancasila. So Pancasila, uh, mm -hmm. if you remember at first, I mentioned about uh, the top topics related to misinformation is politics, health, and religion. Yeah. So that time, the, yeah. the networks of government supporters actually dominated the conversation. And then I found, I found fake news media also uh, play a role in uh, heated the conversation. So I think uh, the government should not cherry pick uh, in closing uh, websites and social media accounts. And then um, the second one, uh, I want them to also involve uh, more uh, communities uh, related to their media literacy curriculum. I know they work with uh, a lot of uh, great community, but let's not only uh, targeting for numbers, like government already stated we want 12 million uh, people each year, but let's target it for more quality uh, instead of uh, quantity. And then the third one, uh, maybe not related to government, but related to the uh, mass media in Indonesia and uh, related to the fact checkers also. Uh, right now, I'm, I see this um, news media organization established uh, incubators for content creators. So they work mm. uh, driven by clicks and then the, uh, during, uh, during the, because uh, they work by clicks, so during the uh, controversial conversation, during the heated conversation, these uh, uh, content creators uh, from the newsroom also uh, created uh, low quality information or we, we know it as uh, yellow journalism practice yeah and the third one related mm. to the fact checkers there there were there are so many reputable fact checkers in Indonesia but I also acknowledge that some of them work closely with the government and especially during the political protests like in Papua or uh, election uh, last 20, 2019, uh, because they work uh, close, they also select uh, with which information they want to check first. <laughs> I mean, that time uh, yes. misinformation comes from many, many sides, yeah? Not only the government or opposition, but also there are um, other sites and then I think as a reputable uh, fact checkers they need to check they should not 
cherry pick also uh, which information that they want to check first. Well, thank you very much um, for the interview, for the chat. I love, I love yeah, talking with you. Thank you, Masito. Stay safe. Thank you.